0: You're listening to Sweet Talk, All Things Maple.
1: Welcome to Sweet Talk, All Things Maple. I'm your host, Aaron Whiteman, co-director of the Cornell Maple Program. Joining me from Lake Placid is my North
0: Country colleague, Adam Wild. Hi, Adam. Hi, Aaron. We haven't talked a lot lately, but it sounds like you've been busy at the Arnot Forest. What have you been working on this time of the year? Well, as some of
1: our listeners know, in addition to doing research and education, you and I both operate a commercial sugar bush. And one thing that's been keeping us busy at Arna is generating sales and filling syrup
0: orders. Ah, fun times. You know, selling syrup can really be time consuming, but that's one of the most important steps in the sugaring process, right? You know, beyond syrup for personal use and maybe gifts to friends and family, you know, what's the point of making maple syrup if you can't sell it? That's right. We have bills to pay just like everyone else. So selling syrup is very
1: important. And one thing we've done recently is upgrade our labels with new eye-catching designs, emphasizing our connection with Cornell University. And since our customer base is primarily Cornell students and staff, we really lean into that with our marketing.
0: Yeah, it's always good to have a solid marketing strategy like that. And there are definitely many ideas about the best way to market maple syrup, but sometimes it's hard to know what message resonates well with customers, especially if you're selling wholesale.
1: Yeah, I agree 100%. A marketing message may sound good, and seem compelling when you're thinking it up, but that doesn't necessarily mean it will persuade customers. So today we're going to explore this topic with our guest, Helen Thomas, who will share some interesting findings from her recent marketing study conducted in partnership with the New York State Department of Agriculture and
0: Markets. That sounds great, Aaron. Let's hear what Helen has to say.
1: Today we're joined by Helen Thomas, Executive Director of the New York State Maple Producers Association. Helen is here to talk about her ACER Access and Development Program funded marketing study. Welcome to Sweet Talk, Helen.
2: Thanks. I'm glad to be here.
1: I can't believe we haven't had you on the show yet, but I'm glad we finally <laughs> have you here.
2: <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here.
1: So let's get right into it and talk about this study. Can you give us a summary of your research and tell us what is the problem you're trying to address with this study and what are the goals of the project?
2: Thank you. I will. So the study was generated. And we've talked about it at our New York State Maple Association board meetings for several years. The challenge to increase consumption of maple syrup amongst the U.S. population, the Canadians and especially in Ontario and Quebec have done a very good job of raising their consumer consumption per capita. And so the challenge was, how can we do that in the United States? And I know that we all feel very much that we're maple producers and we understand our trees and we understand production. We don't necessarily understand the consumer and what the consumer is looking for. Mm -hmm. So the the goal of this project was to research what the United States consumer, the average consumer, understood about maple syrup, what motivated them to purchase it, And what were the challenges, uh, getting them to understand what maple syrup was and purchase it. And then the last part of the project is to develop uh, some templates for tools that will help us as maple producers market our maple syrup. That was basically the summary of the project.
1: Yeah, that's a pretty ambitious undertaking. And as you pointed out, that's an area where we need to strengthen our understanding for sure as an industry. I'm going to pick out a few of these findings to talk about in more detail. And one thing that comes up a lot is this persistent problem of consumer confusion about real versus imitation maple syrup. And I think the number was something like 15% of consumers can correctly distinguish between the two. So is this just an intractable problem or are there new strategies we can try to improve that number?
2: I don't believe it's an intractable problem. It was certainly a worse number than i was hoping i knew the percentage would be high that there were people that would confuse table syrup with pure maple syrup i was a little disappointed it was 15% of the population can identify reliably pure maple syrup i don't believe it's intractable the research that we did once we knew that that was the statistic was to try out models of what message Could we give people the consumer that would teach them about what pure maple syrup was and how to distinguish the difference? And certainly, we will never reach all of the population. That's certainly not a goal, but the goal is to reach those individuals who are interested in trying new flavors and and recipes. And those people that are interested in doing a lot of their own food preparation at home. And what we found was that if we had a very simple message to us, it seems obvious that maple syrup is a pure single ingredient product that comes from trees and that it had a delicious flavor that added texture and nuances of flavor to recipes that that would interest and get the attention of. Those people that are our target audience, those people that want to spend a little bit more on food in order to improve their daily diet.
1: So dialing that message in by focusing on a target audience and incorporating that message of versatility of use, you think is the key to helping people start to distinguish between real versus imitation?
2: That is certainly what the focus groups and the research that this study paid for found. I should point out that we focused very much on younger people. We knew that people my age are much more familiar with maple syrup. So we were focused much more on young families and basically the age group from, say, 25 to 50 to find out what would attract them. And based on that audience, the message of single ingredient pure, from a tree, from nature, and versatility for use, did interest those people that, that were perhaps not familiar with the fact that there was a difference between table syrup and pure maple syrup. And they were interested in trying it.
1: Oh, that's interesting. And perhaps something that we're seeing here is this generational detachment from the tradition of maple sugaring that happened when production dropped off in the 60s, 70s and 80s. But now we're back in an era where maple syrup production is up. Maybe that trend will reverse just based on the fact that there are more maple producers out there.
2: Well, it certainly will help in the Northeast. And our study did show there was more familiarity in the Northeast United States. There was one pocket in Seattle, Washington, that also was familiar And we discovered that's because the Canadians have done a very good job of getting maple syrup out in the ski areas north of Seattle in British Columbia. But (laughs) um, be that as it may, the idea would certainly be that we have more production now. I mean, that's part of our concern. Production figures have, what, quadrupled in the last 25 years. So, Reaching those individuals that are not familiar at all because they didn't grow up in a maple producing region or didn't have a family member that made maple syrup is definitely something that we can reach out and start doing.
1: Right. Yeah, certainly the just the familiarity with the product will help. And one thing that I thought was noteworthy in the study, and if I read between the lines correctly, because I don't think it was directly stated this way was that consumers don't respond well to being scolded for buying imitation syrup. I wonder if you can talk about that or how we could maybe approach that differently.
2: Well, one of the, that was certainly one of the things I asked the marketing agency to test. What messages worked and what messages didn't? Did pointing out that when you were buying table syrup that you were buying something fake, was that something people received well? And we found very much, and I listened to some of the focus groups. I should stop for a minute and say, we did live focus groups in six cities around the United States, and there were two focus groups in each city. So there was probably a total of 100 people that actually spent an hour and a half each talking with the researchers about their thoughts about maple syrup. And it came across very loud and clear that... People, when they eat, are doing it for pleasure. When they shop, they're enjoying trying things out, and they don't want to be made to feel as though they've done something stupid or wrong. So pointing out that maple syrup is the real thing and something else is fake only makes them feel defensive about the fact that they were doing something not ideal. There's some corollary research that's been done recently with Christmas trees and also with milk, where some marketing campaigns that did try and point out real versus fake had negative effects on purchasing instead of positive effects. So it's very clear from the results of all of those studies that the consumer doesn't have to buy maple syrup. And if we want them to try it, we have to make it a fun, interesting, attractive thing to do, not to not to chastise them.
1: Yeah, I think one of the reasons this is so important is because as maple producers, we have this, I guess it's kind of a special place in agriculture because it's so steeped in tradition and we have this strong culture. And I can understand feeling indignant when a consumer picks whatever imitation syrup on the shelf instead of our real maple syrup after all the effort we put into Mm. making it and all the virtues we perceive it to have. But as you found, like you said, consumers have no skin in the game. They're under no obligation to stroke our maple egos or whatever. (laughs) I mean, they're there to buy something because they'll enjoy consuming it. So our job is to convince them that the product we're offering is worth the money, right?
2: Right, exactly. And, And an interesting corollary to that avenue was that people tend to purchase groceries by habit. So I think it's very important for us to be aware of the fact that if Children are served syrup, not real maple syrup. They learn to appreciate the texture and the color and the thickness and the flavor of table syrup. And if we try and introduce them to pure maple syrup, you're gonna get some resistance from them because it's not what they're used to. And we have to be cognizant of that. Of course, the corollary is we've gotta get more young people to eat it when they're kids. And that's why we were targeting families to see if we could figure out how to get families to purchase maple syrup.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. Getting, getting the consumer awareness started early, mm-hmm. for sure. And ingraining those habits into, into consumers. On that same line of messages that don't work, though, it sounded like there's a lot of consumer skepticism around health claims around maple syrup. And there's been this effort to persuade consumers that maple syrup is a healthier sweetener. If I put myself kind of objectively in the place of a consumer and think about that, I can see why there might be pushback against that. You know, if someone's offering me essentially a bottle of sugar and saying it's okay, it's healthy because it comes from a tree. Well, I might think, well, cane sugar comes from a plant. So does high fructose corn syrup and it's all sugar. Why should I be persuaded by that? And it sounds like consumers aren't persuaded by that. Is that right?
2: That is so true. It may work for somebody who's also already a maple syrup user to feel good about the fact that they're getting at least something beneficial from it. But for those consumers that were not already users of maple syrup, again, I listened to the focus groups and it was everything from, don't try and tell me that it's a sugar. Sugar is sugar. That was that was one comment. To after all the health claims that have been made by everything from blueberries to kale to you name it everybody's trying to convince us that theirs is the healthiest. And until there's 20 years of scientific study that proves that it makes a difference in my health, I really am not going to listen to that. So there was just very much a pushback. Claiming that a food is healthy for you didn't resonate with the consumer. And we have to be very careful because as far as the Food and Drug Administration is concerned. We do not have levels of nutrient enough to be claiming that we are healthy.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's where things get a little muddy is because if you look at the nuances of this and say, okay, if you're a consumer and you have a choice between high fructose corn syrup, for example, and maple syrup, maple does compare favorably because it does have trace minerals, it has polyphenols, antioxidants, things like that. But as you're saying, maybe those don't rise to the level where we can of scientific validation, where we can make those claims. And also, is that too complex of a message to try to convey to consumers to say, well, you know, if you're going to pick a sugar, you know, look at these trace minerals and things like that. Maybe maple serves better for you. Is that just too nuanced, do you think? Or, or did this study not look
2: at that? The study didn't. But, you know, I can only offer that personally listening to people that was that was much too nuanced for a consumer that's not already a maple syrup user. Now, from the perspective of the nutrition community, nutritionists, dietitians, it's very reasonable for the maple industry to be reaching out to those folks to make them aware of the scientific constituents of maple syrup. I, I very much support that and think we do need to be doing that because there is no question in my own mind personally that you're you're much better off if you're going to eat a sugar to eat maple syrup instead of corn syrup but the place to reach someone who's going to listen to that message is a, is a professional who is in charge of diets you know for example the food planners for school cafeterias there's somebody i would want to reach with that message
1: right so i guess another way of putting it perhaps is that there's a difference between the marketing effectiveness of that and the facts. And the facts say, yes, there are some positive nutritional attributes to maple syrup. The marketing research says consumers don't care. <laughs>
2: that's very succinct. That's exactly it. Yes.
1: So maybe that's something that we need to, to think about more and Maybe repackage that message differently,
2: right, there's no harm in including it, certainly, the nutrition label says it, but but to make that a core of the marketing to the average consumer, the message isn't being heard, so make the message simpler. make the message more what the attribute is, which is this is a pure product that comes from a plant that is single ingredient, we didn't add anything to it, and um, we can also stress that it's you can't say local. If it's San Francisco, it's not local, but you can certainly say that it's produced from a family farm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think kind of looking back at the the nutritional messaging, I think that's one that a lot of us would want to be an effective message because we think it's important. And that kind of leads me to this bigger point. And I'm going to get up on my soapbox for a second. You can kick me off at any <laughs> point if, if I'm going too far. But this project focuses exclusively on maple syrup and spends a lot of effort testing these marketing messages for syrup against all these barriers, right? Real versus imitation syrup, et cetera. But the first product we all make is sugar makers is tree sap. We go out in the woods and we harvest sap. And that's a completely different product in many ways. And it doesn't suffer these consumer perception issues. You could imagine a health message resonating with consumers if we we're trying to market sap, right? Because it's not high in sugar and it has minerals and it's natural and it, you know, it, it hydrates and offers some verifiable benefits. Would it make more sense if we as an industry spent more time focusing on things other than syrup, focusing on tree sap farming or forest farming? I guess or put it differently, would broader consumer awareness around the source crop for syrup help change consumer perception?
2: Well, that's where I can't give you any scientific answer because our research didn't cover that. I like the idea. I have tried to use that in some of what I've done personally for my own farm. And the difficulty I hit was, believe it or not, the word sap has some negative connotations just because, you know, the English language has many different meanings. But that would certainly go along with what part of our research found, which was. The consumer responded best to messaging from the actual producer. So if, for example, one of our members has an online web store, the best thing they could do would be to put a short video of themselves in the woods talking about what they do. That was the single highest ranking message delivery of all of the kinds of spokespeople. Better than chefs, better than celebrities. The farmer out doing his farming was the one the consumers believed the most.
1: Yeah, and I guess that's interesting from the perspective of, you know, when I look at it and say, we're asking consumers to distinguish on the store shelf between these substances that look and taste very similar. And that's the point where we're trying to differentiate ourselves from imitation syrup. Well, they're pretty similar at that point. But if we go back to the source and compare a sugarcane field with machinery driving over the cane and smashing it and all that to a forest in winter with the birds chirping in the trees, those are two very different systems for producing the food. So it, it seems like differentiation is easier at that point. And maybe, like you said, it sounds like that's a good point to do. It is by encouraging maple producers to introduce themselves along with their products so people can see this is where it came from. It came from so-and-so's maple farm. We went out in the woods and we gathered this sap.
2: Definitely. In addition to showing a woods in the wintertime with snow on the ground and you're out tapping, the other message that would certainly resonate, and in fact, we've already started discussions at the international level about how to define sustainability. Consumers are very interested in making sure that their products that they purchase have been produced in a sustainable way. And as you just pointed out, which is more sustainable, a standing forest or a field that is tilled every single year for corn or sugarcane? So we've got work to do on defining what sustainability in a maple forest means, but that will resonate with consumers also.
1: Yeah, I can see that that might be a tough message to convey, but also one with so many opportunities to tell that story in different ways. For example, there's the, I don't know if many of our listeners are familiar with it, but the Cornell Lab of Ornithology has this app for your phone called Merlin Bird ID. And there's a sound ID app and you just, you open up your phone and turn on the microphone and it will tell you all the birds it's hearing. And I've taken that out into my sugar bush and turned it on. And this is in a managed part of my sugar bush where I manage it for wildlife habitat. And I've had as many as 30 bird species. Now, if I took my phone out into a cornfield and turned it on, I would maybe get three species. And it's just the forest is so much better as habitat. So just from that, just that one narrow view, like comparing the wildlife habitat value of these different cropping systems, we have a huge advantage there. So there are a lot of different ways that message could be leveraged.
2: Yes, yes.
1: So one last thing I'd like to talk about is this idea of establishing an industry-wide label. You found in the study that perhaps one way to improve consumption or identification, I guess, of real maple syrup is if there was a standard label that all real maple syrup had so people could distinguish it as a product. Can you talk about that a little bit?
2: That is certainly something that the marketing firm we were working with suggested. Now, it was interesting working with them because when we started out, there have been at at times as many as 12 people from this firm on the project. They're from big cities all over the United States. So Chicago, New York, Washington, D.C., and Los Angeles. None of them were familiar with pure maple syrup when we started. And I will say by now, they're all firm users of maple syrup. <laughs> We've converted 12 people. Uh, but from that aspect, when they started looking at the shelves in their grocery stores and online, and I have to emphasize when we're talking about the target audience who are urban dwellers, probably 40% of them shop online. They're using online apps to order their groceries and maybe even have them delivered. So that's, so far removed from maple producers normal daily thing that we have to be aware of the fact that that is the norm for shopping for mm. a lot of people mm. but but certainly having said that because they're purchasing either online from a little picture or just standing there in the store shelf everything looks the same and that's what they said to me everything looks the same how how are you supposed to tell the difference And they had a hard time distinguishing and knowing that the name of the product is grade A maple syrup wasn't enough for them to be able to distinguish clearly in the grocery store. So they said to us, and they tested this with the consumers, a statistically significant group of consumers, that having something that was what they called a mark, which would be just a logo or a symbol. That was the same on all maple syrup products in the grocery store would start to distinguish, you know, the old plastic jug that looks the same (laughs) from the real maple syrup. From the perspective of a logo, they actually put together one, tested it. It's not a lot different from the New York State maple producers' state image that we've been using, but they suggested that the industry start considering that as a symbol to put on all of the containers of maple syrup to give the consumer something simple to look at. And again, people are visual. So that was the other thing that they stressed, that they don't take time to read the label. But if there was a picture, people would start to recognize that. Now, obviously, that would take years, but that's their suggestion that we start working on that.
1: Yeah, and it seems like the source of the challenge here is that these global mega corporations that make these imitation syrups put a lot of effort into marketing them a lot of resources and they have every incentive to make it look as much like real maple syrup as possible so the labeling they put maple leaves on the the container they use the word maple and it evokes all the same things for the consumer so to have one mark distinguish real maple syrup from all these other markings that implies to me that there would have to be a pretty strong marketing effort behind the introduction of that label is is that a, a correct assumption or is that also not part of the study yet no
2: you're absolutely correct and and that's where it's going to it's going to take some time certainly from the perspective of packing companies you know i've i've presented this information at the international meetings While there is agreement amongst some of the big packers that that they knew this, that they agree with the results of the studies, for example, a couple of the Canadian packers when I was at the international meeting were commenting that, well, they'd have to run it past their lawyers first to see whether or not they could put that kind of a logo on and whether they could say that it was a pure single ingredient product and... (sighs) It got <laughs> discouraging listening to it, but I, I'm not going to give up in the sense that that's really where, as an industry, we haven't done what any other industry, honey, olive oil, every other commodity, almonds, you name it, they've all worked together to come up with the message that they're going to reach consumers with. And then they all stood behind that message. And until we can, as an industry, do that and unify our message, and have something recognizable, I'm concerned that we're always going to be in that niche market.
1: That sounds like a lot of work. But on the other hand, some of the things that we are accustomed to doing as maple producers, like giving out samples and educating the public at farmers markets, if paired with a logo that we all use, sounds like we could really make a dent and maybe perhaps persuade people and give them that one tool that will help them pick out the real versus the imitation stuff.
2: The messaging will always succeed, even if it's on a small scale. And remember, people want to hear from the person who's making their food. They really are interested in what goes into making that food and the person who's doing it for them. So, yeah, if you're at a farmer's market or if you get time at your local grocery store to hand out samples, to interact with the customers and show them pictures of what you do is is invaluable.
1: Yeah, that's that's great advice. And this marketing study certainly gives maple producers some good tools to use or some good information to inform their marketing efforts. So thanks so much for doing this study. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and explaining it to us.
2: Well, thanks for having me. And I want to mention that there is a page on the New York State Maple website that has the detailed research reports that continue to add to it. And the last piece that will be coming out is a toolkit, which has all sorts of suggestions for maple producers on how to implement some of the marketing suggestions that have come out of it, including sample Facebook topics and other methods to reach consumers. So it's, it's certainly something we want to see happen all over the United States, but you can start implementing it in your own local market.
1: Well, that sounds great. What, what's the website for our listeners if they want to visit that?
2: Our website is nysmaple.com and it is on our Sugar Makers page. So the actual URL is sugarmakers.nysmaple.com forward slash Acer Market Research Results.
1: Okay. Well, we'll encourage our, our listeners to surf over and check that out. And we'll put a, a link in the podcast description if they want to read the link and type it in themselves. So thanks for sharing that.
2: And they're certainly welcome to call me if they have questions or email me.
1: Okay. Fantastic. Thanks so much for coming on the show today, Helen.
2: Been my pleasure.
1: Well, Adam, that was pretty interesting. What do you think?
2: Yeah, those were
0: really interesting findings. It's it's great to hear all the work that Helen has been working on with this marketing research group. And, you know, one of the key things that kind of stuck out to me was that a piece of the real versus you what know, weak term is kind of fake maple syrup and that consumers really don't want to be told, you know, kind of that what they're consuming or what they're buying is fake or something they shouldn't be buying. That kind of negative advertising is not really actually helpful For maple syrup and may actually turn people off if you're telling them that they're wrong.
1: Yeah, there's so much that's positive and exciting about maple that we really don't need that negative tactic of shaming people for using imitation syrup. Instead, we can focus on shining a spotlight on the maple producers and getting consumers out to the maple farm so that they can see what the sugar house looks like and see the people that go out in the woods and do the work and feel that connection and feel excited to buy the product.
0: Yeah, and really pushing that it's, a you know, this pure single source ingredient, right? Using that message to help, you know, it's coming from these native forests and that it's pure sap, you know, cooked down into syrup. We're not adding other things. It's that pure, simple ingredient. So making sure that that is really emphasized on the, the maple syrup that you're marketing.
1: Yeah, and that is something that's really fascinating about maple is that we're taking this one almost translucent clear liquid that has very little flavor just a little bit of sweetness and we transform it into all these different products but it still only has that one ingredient in it and i think that's pretty amazing and that customers are fascinated by that whole process and the fact that it's so sustainably produced and that it's all natural definitely a very compelling message
0: yeah it is and i get a lot of customers and folks who are not familiar with maple that stop by the E-line forest here to learn about the maple syrup production process. And they're all always blown away by, you know, how much is involved. But yet that it's still a simple product, right? And that, you know, they have these visions of buckets hanging from the tree and, you know, the syrup comes right out, or it's a real simple process. You know, they don't realize how much is involved, but yet they don't always realize that. It's still this natural product from a tree that's still that one single ingredient.
1: It was nice to see in this study that this is something that we believed would be compelling to consumers to learn about the real story of maple production that is a pure single ingredient product and that in fact this study found that is a compelling message for consumers. And another thing this study found was that the versatility of maple syrup is something that consumers find very appealing.
0: Yeah. And that's, you know, important to be able to educate consumers, you know, on the different uses, you know, getting beyond that. It's a pancake topping, right? That there's so much more that maple syrup can be used for. And, you know, oftentimes, you know, when I have customers coming in, you know, they'll buy a little bottle because they, you know, they'll mention, oh, I don't eat pancakes, right? So I don't use a lot of maple syrup, but I try to find those areas in their diet or what they consume that maybe are using other sugars, you know? So Do they put, you know, sweeteners in their coffee? So why not use maple syrup? Or if you have yogurt, using real maple syrup, you know, or you have oatmeal or cereals or salad dressings or putting it into different types of mixed drinks. And so when you give different examples, all of a sudden you get people thinking about like, oh yeah, like I'm usually, you know, using this. I make a, a margarita instead of putting in other sugars, I can use maple syrup. And so getting people to think about all those different things that maple can be used for in different food products that they normally consume that's outside of those typical box of what we think of as those traditional breakfast foods.
1: Yeah, and just taking that one step further, persuading customers to think of maple syrup as something beyond a sweetener, that it's a flavor as well. And it's a flavor that pairs well with umami and salt. And so used in combination with other ingredients, it can be a really eye-popping flavor that adds a lot to so many dishes.
0: Yeah, definitely. and you know, we all play a big role in marketing maple products. You know, even if you're only tapping a few trees and even if you're just giving away to family and friends, you're still marketing that maple product. And so we can't necessarily always rely on other people. We all play a role on educating our consumers. And so making sure that we share this message on, you know, not shaming people, but sharing this message in that this is a pure product from our forest and how we are able to produce that and that it can be used for more than just a sweetener and a breakfast topping.
1: Yeah, I think that's kind of the big picture takeaway from this study is that the things that seem like powerful marketing messages, the ones that work, are all things that we can do collectively that boost the entire industry. Things like getting people out to sugar houses so they understand how our product is made, and understanding that it's a pure single source ingredient and that it has versatile uses. Those are things that we can all communicate that benefit everyone.
0: Yeah, definitely. You know, and this is still ongoing research, right? And so look forward to seeing this project wrap up. And then, you know, as an industry being able to take this research and then push it into maybe some larger marketing campaigns for the maple industry in the future.
1: Yep. Yeah, for example, uh, Helen mentioned this idea of a universal label or a mark that we all use so that people can identify pure maple syrup, whether it's sold by Jim's or Sue's Sugar House, You know, it doesn't matter who's selling it. They'll see that same label on everybody's syrup. So there are lots of other things going on with this study. So we'll have to have Helen back in the future so she can talk about this study in in further detail once they've done more work.
0: Yeah, definitely look forward to hearing more. And if you have any thoughts or ideas on marketing maple syrup, reach out to us on our website at CornellMaple.com.
1: Yeah, definitely check back for future episodes dealing with marketing. And thanks for tuning in today. You've been listening to Sweet Talk All Things Maple.
0: Thank you for joining us for Sweet Talk. All Things Maple with Aaron and Adam. Sweet Talk is produced by the Cornell Maple Program and is made possible from funding from the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture. All music was obtained from Blue Dot Sessions. For more information on all things maple, visit cornellmaple.com. Join us next time for more Maple Sweet Talk. Have a sweet day.